This is a message from the ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debrecen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrecen.com. Pastor Janusz, and thank you all for the opportunity to be here and worship God together. Uh, my wife and I are delighted to be with you today. And uh, I have a message on my heart that I would like to share with you. I received it from the Lord, and I'm so glad to be able to share it with you. The message is based on the Word of God, so I am going to read from the Book of Psalms. Uh, this is a very well-known psalm. It's Psalm number 126. Please uh, stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, Lord, as streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bearing his sheaves with him. We're going to have a moment of prayer now. And we're going to uh, pray for God's word that it may speak to us. And I want to ask Ishtban to lead us in prayer. Amen. Please be seated now. Today I would like to point out two major aspects of Christian life. Christian life can be compared to a coin with two sides. On one side, we see the benefits, the blessings of being a believer. On the other side, we see the responsibilities. Benefits and responsibilities, both are very important. They are equally important. Uh, it is not good if we overemphasize one side and overlook the other. Both should be kept in balance because this is what is going to give us balance in our faith. It is just like walking on two feet. You know, God created man with two feet and we need both because uh, it would be ridiculous to start walking on just one foot, right? It would be very difficult. So we need both feet. We need to stand on two feet to keep our balance and to be able to walk. So same way with Christian life. We need both uh, the awareness of the blessings and also of the responsibilities. Psalm 126 uh, show us uh, uh, both sides very well. The first part of the psalm uh, deals with the blessings. 
And the second half of the psalm deals with the responsibilities. So if we look into the first three verses of this psalm, we see all the benefits. Now, of course, these three verses will not cover all the benefits of being a Christian. But it gives us some of the benefits of being a believer. And I would like to focus on these benefits that we find in this passage. And then when we go to the uh, rest of the psalm, verses uh, 4, 5, and 6, there we see the responsibilities. Okay, so now let's begin with the first. Let us look at the benefits. And first of all, I would like to point out uh, a great benefit of being a believer. Each believer experienced sometimes in his life a miraculous deliverance. A miraculous deliverance. The psalm talks about the children of Israel. They've been in bondage, in captivity, and uh, they've been taken away from their homeland. They've been among uh, uh, strangers, and these strangers mistreated them and abused them. They suffered in the land of captivity. They had a desire to go home. They were homesick for their country. And one day the Lord brought them back. And this is such a great blessing that they experienced the homecoming of the captives when they were liberated from captivity and were able to come home. Now, you may ask, why do we need to know about this? Uh, how can this be relevant to us who live in the 21st century here in Debrecen, and Hungary? Well, I would like to remind you the words of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was talking to the people and he said that you are going to know the truth and the truth will set you free. And these people said, we are not captives. What do you mean by being liberated, uh, being freed? Uh, and Jesus said that whoever commits sin is a captive, is a slave to sin. And I believe that each Christian can remember a time in his life when he was a captive, when he was a slave to sin, uh, when he was a slave to sinful practices, to sinful habits. Now, some of these sinful practices are so harmful to you and to those around you that you want to be set free. You want to, you want to, be, to break free from those habits, uh, those addictions, those harmful, sinful addictions. And you realize and experience that you're not able to do that because sin is more powerful than us. And we just have no power. We don't have enough power to set ourselves free. And we need somebody who is higher than us and more powerful than us to come and set us free. So we remember a time when we've been captives to sin. I personally remember that I've been raised in a Christian home and uh, my parents did their best to teach me with the word of God. Uh, they did their best to make me a believer. But as soon as I became a teenager, I became very rebellious. Even when I was a very young child, I knew in my heart that the Bible is true. Whatever my parents are telling me is true, but this is not what I want. I don't want this. I want to go out and do whatever I want, whatever I desire. I want everything that this world has to offer to me. So when I became 15, 16, or 17 of age, I became rebellious. I turned my back to my parents and to religion. 
and uh, I got involved in many sinful things, uh, sinful company, friends that were around me. I developed sinful habits, and I became, you know, a cause of pain and sorrow for my parents. They kept praying for my salvation. My mother, she was so uh, so sad and she was crying so much and she was always coming to me and asking me to turn to the Lord. And uh, that was so annoying. I didn't want to see her doing that or hear her saying those words. And I decided one day that I'm going to leave home. I'm going to move out. I don't want to hear this anymore. I just want to be free. And uh, of course, I did not move out, but... Uh, in my heart, in my soul, I was very far from my family. Even my sister uh, became a believer, and there were many Christians praying for my salvation at church, at home, prayer, prayer groups where people were praying for me. And uh, what I can share with you today is that the more I was seeking for happiness and fulfillment in the world, the more unhappy and empty I became until I realized that I am uh, headed into a wrong direction. Uh, I'm going to destruction and I'm going downhill. I'm lower now than I was a few years ago. And uh, you know, I just asked my question, I, I just a question, I, I asked myself this question, uh, what is going to be after five years or after 10 years? And I, you know, I had a picture about myself 10 years from now. And then I, that was an ugly picture. I realized that I have no future. If I continue this way, I'm just ruining myself. And I was in my early 20s when, uh, when my wife took me to church one day. Of course, I didn't want to come, but she insisted that I was able to come to church. And uh, we've been seated in a very good spot, you know. Uh, it was uh, impossible for since the service started because there were so many people on each side of us and uh, it was for the first time when God everything that I heard there it was about my soul everything not only the, the sermon but the singing the prayers and everything I heard there it was message from God to my soul and what I remember and I will never forget is that I was weeping there you know I was not an emotional, I'm not, I'm still not a very emotional person, but that day I was weeping, not just, uh, you know, shedding tears, but weeping, sobbing. I was shaking there all the time. And uh, by the end of the service, the preacher asked, uh, he gave an invitation and he said, if anyone here wants to be saved, let him put up his hand. And I could not do that. I was unable to put up my hand. And he repeated this a few times. Some people, you know, uh, indicated they want to be saved by putting up their hand, but I just couldn't do that. And the service was over, and we came to the door, and my wife realized that I, I'm not moving any further from there. And she said, what's going on? Why don't we go? And I said, do you see those people? Because these people who indicated they want to be saved, they were coming forward to meet the pastor. And I said, well, I think I should be among them. And she said, let's go there. And I said, I cannot go there because I didn't put up my hand. So we were going home, and uh, I decided in my heart that I'm going to come back. They were having meetings every evening. 
for a week. So I'm going to come back tomorrow and I'll put up my hand. I remembered meeting with my father next day and uh, he, he realized that uh, I don't concentrate on the work that we were doing together. And he said to me, Joseph, where is your mind? I said, my mind is where I have been yesterday. And he said, where have you been? I said, I've been to church. And he said, how was church? He didn't believe me. I lied to him many times before. And he thought that I'm just saying this to him to make him feel good. I said, he said, how was church? I said, uh, it was good. Some people were saved. Then he looked at me and he said, how about you? Have you been saved too? I said, well, not exactly. And he said, I think you should be saved exactly. So next day, I mean, the same day, we, next time, we came to the church, and it was just like the day before. Again, everything was for my soul. Again, I was weeping like before. Now I came, you know, with this uh, uh, will, uh, strong will, that I'm going to put up my hand if, again, I will have this opportunity. And at the end of the service, again, there was an opportunity for this because the pastor was giving an invitation again, and again, it didn't work. I mean, just, it was like I was paralyzed. I mean, I wanted to, but I couldn't. And one uh, moment, the pastor said something like this. He said, I think I know what is your problem. He said, uh, there are people in the auditorium, in the audience, uh, who know you. And you are ashamed. And they are going to see you, that you, you are responding to the gospel. And uh, he said, but remember that Jesus did more for you. He died on the cross and he bore all your shame because he was there. His naked body was nailed to the cross and everybody could see him there. But he was bearing your shame and now it's your turn to do something, but you do not want to do it because you are too comfortable or you're ashamed of him. At that moment, my hand was up and uh, I wasn't ashamed anymore. And that was, everything turned in that moment. I wasn't ashamed. I said, I don't mind if everybody sees me now. Yes, I'm coming to him. And uh, my life was changed. I remember coming to the pastor. And uh, he, of course, my father saw me and he came and followed me. And I heard him saying behind me, this is my son who was lost and is found, who was dead and is alive. And the pastor shook hands with me and he said, uh, Son, may God make you a labor in his vineyard. I didn't understand everything that this means at that time. But I said, thank you. Yes, uh, I remember the time when I was in bondage. Now, I'm asking you, do you remember such a time in the past? If you're a believer, I think you should remember uh, the time when you were without God, when you were in your sins, when you wanted to change your life and you couldn't. You failed so many times. Do you remember that time? Well, of course, we are not talking about bondage now. We are talking about uh, deliverance. But in order to understand deliverance, we need to understand captivity first. But we've been delivered by the deliverer. And Jesus Christ, he is the deliverer. Okay, And he is the great deliverer. Now, we remember how that happened. And we should recall that experience when we were liberated by Jesus, when we first met the Deliverer, when we met him personally. 
Well, he came into our lives. Why? Because we called him. The Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. And if you call upon the name of the Lord, he is going to come and save you. He will answer your prayers. I remember that day when I called upon his name. I never thought I'm going to pray to him and ask him to change my life because I was a rebellious man. But on that day, I was calling upon him and I said, Lord, I pray, forgive me, save me. And you know, my problem that day was not that should I come or not. My problem was, will he receive me or not? Will he accept me or not? Will he forgive me or not? And I said, Lord, if you can forgive somebody like me, I'm here. I want to be saved. And he changed my life. It made such a great difference. Everything became different from that day on. Everything, everything became different. My mind has been changed in that moment when Jesus entered into my life. So yes, that is a great blessing, isn't it? A great deliverance. And let us remember that. It's part of being a believer. And it's part of our experience as a believer. Another thing that is uh, presented here is a, is a joyful life. He said, when the Lord has brought back our captives, then we were like those who dream. Uh, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. It's like when something happens to you and it's so good that you cannot believe that this is true. You're not sure if you are dreaming or this is real. And you need to pinch yourself to make sure you're not dreaming. Okay? It was like this with me. You know, I remember I couldn't sleep uh, all night long because I woke up you know, from time to time and said, yeah, it is true. I'm saved. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm not dreaming. This is real. Yes, the great joy. How can you forget that joy? of being forgiven, of being saved, knowing that you are now a child of God. Now you belong to the Lord. You don't, have, you don't need to fear of anything. The Lord is with you. And you have peace while you live, and then you will have peace when you die, because the Lord is with you. Of course, uh, it is compared to a song. Our, our, our heart was filled with a song. Uh, when I read these words, uh, I am reminded of Psalm number 40. I think you are familiar with Psalm 40. Uh, David speaks there. And he says, I waited upon the Lord and he inclined to me. He heard my cry and he inclined to me and he lifted me out. And then he said, he filled my heart with a song. You know, uh, that's the reason why we believers would like to sing so much. Oh, we enjoy singing. Why? Because when we sing, when this is true worship, of course, not all singing can be qualified worship. But when this is true worship, when we sing, our song is an expression of the joy that we have in our heart and of the gratitude we have for the Lord for saving us. Our heart is so filled with joy that it has to be expressed somehow. And coming to the Lord and then just telling him that, Lord, we are so glad that you saved us. And we are so thankful to you for what you have done for us. 
And when we do this in a corporate way, when we are together, you know, in a, in a congregation, and we, all of us, we, we do that together, that is pleasing God. Yes, then our heart was filled with singing. Sometimes I meet people, and uh, it doesn't take long until I realize that he's all bitten inside. There's so much bitterness inside. He just says a few words, and oh, I said, Lord, have mercy. When you, when you meet a believer who has been delivered and who knows the Lord, and then you realize the joy that just radiates out of him. It's enough to look at his face. It's written on his face that he is full with joy and with gratitude to the Lord, toward the Lord. Another blessing that I see here is, uh, is a testimony. We've given a testimony. And this is a powerful testimony. Look at verse 2, the second part of verse 2. Then they said among the nations, the Lord hath done great things for them. Now this is our testimony. When the nations, when those people that are around us, they may be our neighbors or friends or whoever, those people who know us, they realize that something happened to us. And uh, they cannot find any other explanation to what they see in our lives. That They say, the Lord has done this. This is something that nobody else can perform. Only God can do something like this. And you know, uh, this testimony uh, doesn't need words. The testimony is not what we say with our words. The testimony is the life that we live. Is who we are. And we are in front of everybody. Even if we don't say anything, they can see us and they are watching us. If they know we are believers, they are watching us. They have their eyes on us and they will see the difference. And if we are true believers, we have a testimony. Now, God has given us a testimony. We don't have to um, do something to have this testimony. We have, we, we've been given this testimony. The Lord has given us a testimony. And even without realizing I'm different, people will look at me and they will see he is different. I remember people coming to me and asking me, what makes you different? We see that you are different. And of course, this gave me an opportunity to tell them what made the difference in my life. I said, I'm not different. I'm just like you. The only difference is this, that I know Jesus. And this is what happened to me. And this is not just, you know, a theory, you know, a philosophy that I'm trying to persuade somebody to believe it. It's an experience. Yes, it's the gospel. It's the truth of the gospel. But it's something that I have experienced in my life. And, and I know it's true. Not only because I believe it with my intellect, but because I have experienced it in my life. It is true. The Lord saved me. I'm... I'm different. I'm a new creation in him. So a testimony. And each believer has a testimony. And if I look into this psalm, I think I can mention one more benefit. is an ongoing joy or ongoing gladness. I mentioned joy before. But we should not think this joy is given to us only in the moment when we, are believe, when we become a believer, when we believe in the Lord. Some people think that this is just supposed to last for a short time after you become a believer. It's a joy and then it will disappear. No, no. This will become sweeter every year. 
year after year, it's sweeter and sweeter because you can become stronger and stronger in faith and knowledge. The more you know, the stronger this joy will be in you. And uh, I can see this in that psalm. Look at verse 3. He said, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. See, the Lord has done. This is past tense, right? And we are glad. This is present tense. So we are glad today for something that happened, who knows when, you know, back last year, two years ago, 20 years ago. It happened in the past, and today we are still glad. We still have this joy. We're not going to lose it. We're going to, it, this is an abiding joy for the believer. And this is a, a blessing of Christian life. You know, it's very sad when you see, when you see Christians who have a sad face. Uh, oh, I know how it is going to a congregation and being there and looking around. It's like nobody has joy at all. It's written on their faces. Don't talk to me. You know, don't even look at me. Uh, that's not good. What happened to these people? But it's so uplifting. It's such a blessing to be in a congregation and to see the joy of God and to feel the joy of God that comes out of the hearts of the believers. And uh, the older we get in faith, the stronger this joy will be in our lives. So these are some of the benefits. Again, I say not everything is here, but these are some of them. I would say major benefits of becoming a believer. But then we turn to the other side and we are going to look at the responsibilities. Again, some of the major responsibilities of being a believer. If you keep reading the psalm and you go to the second half of the psalm, you will you read about weeping and about tears. Now, it's here, the psalmist doesn't talk about tears of joy. It talks about weeping, about sorrow, about the burden, about, about suffering. And this is something that is hard to explain, that in the heart of, the, of a believer, you can find both at the same time. Overwhelming joy, joy unspeakable, and this kind of sorrow that produces tears and weeping. Why? Why the sorrow? Why? What reason does a believer to have this sorrow? Well, look at verse 4. Speaks about captives. Not those who used to be captives and now are free, but those who are still captives. You know, the believer remembers at a moment that there are people who are not free yet. They are still in bondage. Not everybody has been delivered from bondage. Some people are still there. Some people are not saved. And uh, when I think about those who are not saved, that breaks my heart. Does it break your heart? When you see unsaved people, remember our Lord Jesus Christ. We read about him in Matthew 9, that when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were scattered they were suffering. They were like sheep having no pastor, having no shepherd, right? So Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw people suffering. And again, we see him as he was coming to Jerusalem. He stopped on the Mount of Olives and he was looking at Jerusalem. He could see the city before him. 
And the city was in celebration. You know, they were ready for celebration. And everybody was happy except Jesus. Jesus was crying. He was weeping over the city. Now, if anybody came to him and asked him, Jesus, what's wrong with you? Don't you see everybody is happy here and you are crying, you're weeping? What's, what's wrong? And then Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I'm weeping for Jerusalem because they are celebrating, but they are not saved. And they, don't, they, they have an opportunity to be saved. God is giving them an opportunity even this day to be saved. But they are refusing the last opportunity. And then Jesus said, I can see now the judgment coming upon them. In other words, those people who are given the opportunity to be saved and reject the gospel, one day they will be under the judgment of God. You know, it breaks my heart. I don't know how often do you think about this, that people are dying every day, every moment on the planet. A number of people are passing into eternity. And we know, if we believe the Bible, that some of them go to heaven and some of them go to hell. Those who are saved, they go to heaven. And those who are not saved, they go to hell. And I look around, you know, and sometimes I think about people I know. And I know they are not saved. And they can die any moment. Because death can come instantly, you know, without any warning. Any moment they can die and end up in hell. And once there, they are forever. They they cannot come out. From there, ever. And, and if you realize the, the horror of hell, then it cannot leave you, you know, uh, careless about those people. If you realize the horrors of hell, if, you don't, if you're not persuaded about the horrors of hell, just read the New Testament. Read the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice how many times Jesus talks about hell or makes references to hell. Jesus spoke more about hell than about heaven. Even John 3.16, you can quote it. I think you can quote it by heart now. What does it say? For God so loved the world, His only begotten Son shall shall not perish. Now notice this word, perish. Otherwise, people are perishing. People are, the world is perishing. You know what it means? They go to hell. So that's why Jesus came, because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, because he does not want people to perish. He wants to give us an opportunity to be saved. And he gave us his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. God himself died for us. And people don't care about it. It is too late when they realize that this is true. So yes, we should have this compassion for the dying world. This world is like a sinking boat. And people are going down and perish. And there is only one way to be saved. There is salvation in Jesus Christ. And we have been saved, but we cannot be careless when we think about those who are still lost. About your loved ones, your friends, and neighbors, people you know, and even if you don't know them. Just think about 
masses of people going to hell and being lost forever. And today is still an opportunity to be saved. So we must have this, this uh, compassion for other people, for those who are still lost. If we don't have this compassion, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid we don't have the joy either. Because if you have the joy, you realize how important for you it is to be saved and how, how sad it is for that other person to be lost. If you have this joy, you will have also the tears for your loved ones. Uh, the psalm speaks about uh, those who are captives. and they, The psalm says, uh, bring back our captives, O Lord. They are still captives. They are lost, but they are ours because they belong to us. They are our brothers. Almost every believer has somebody in his family, in his little circle, someone who is not saved. And you may think about that person now. And uh, Lord, bring back. Now, what shall we do? What is our responsibility here? And I want to focus on, on two areas. Uh, number one, praying. And number two, planting. Here we see a prayer. This in verse four is a prayer. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the south. Now, this is a prayer with the burden Oh, Lord, I have such a burden. Heart is burdened. I'm not just, you know, coming and um, just saying a few words before the Lord. There's a burden in my heart. Now, uh, if God would come today and would ask you this, I am willing, I would tell you, I'm willing to give you something. You just ask me. You can ask one thing. What would you ask? Remember uh, Solomon, King Solomon? Uh, God came to him and God said, Solomon, you can ask me something and I'm going to give it to you. Now, Solomon probably thought, what shall I ask? Shall I ask this or that or that? And then Solomon said, my number one desire is to have wisdom in your service. And you know, all angels gave him a like. They gave him a thumbs up. All heaven said, good, 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 Solomon. Yes. Now, if God would ask you something today, you could, you could ask from the Lord just one thing. What would you ask? If God would give you this opportunity today, what would be your, you know, do you need more time to think about it? Just think about it. What would be your request? What is the, the burden of your heart? The, the burning desire of your heart? You know, these people in the psalm, they had one major desire. and said, Lord, if we can ask something, this is what we ask you to bring back our captivity. In other words, Lord, we would like to see people being saved. We'd like to see how they come to the Lord and they are delivered from captivity. This is what we would like to, to see people being saved. This is the burden of my heart. You know, uh, John Knox the Scottish theologian in the 1500s was heard saying to the Lord, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. You know what this means? This means, Lord, I have such a burden that this is going to kill me. 
I, I just cannot bear it any longer. Lord, if you don't give me Scotland, because I'm praying for Scotland, I'm praying for a revival, for a nationwide revival in my country. And if you don't do this for me, Lord, I'm, I'm going to die because I have such a burden on my heart. And you know, the reason why we don't see revival because we, we don't have people with such burden. And here, this psalm is an inspiration for us. If we've been liberated, if we've been saved, if we have the joy, if we have the testimony, then we should become men of prayer. And this world needs such men of prayer. Just look around what happens in the world. Oh, it's so discouraging to see what is going on day by day. And then we see, Lord, show your power, show your glory. There's need for people, for men and women who are men of prayer, praying with a burden and praying with expectancy. He said, Lord, bring back our captivity as streams in the south. You know, those streams in the south, this is a picture that uh, the psalm gives us about people coming home. Uh, these uh, rivers in the south were swelling in, in the spring. And, you know, they were swelling until they uh, overflowed their banks and, and, and they flooded every area. They flooded everywhere with water. And that's a picture of people coming to the Lord. This is a picture of, of a great awakening. When people are coming to the Lord, masses of multitudes of people are coming to the Lord by the hundreds, by the thousands. You know, when I, when I see the news about what is going on in these days in Israel, I am praying for Israel. And I'm praying that they may all, as a nation, say to Jesus, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They will come to the Lord and accept Jesus as their Savior. This is possible. It is also uh, predicted. That it is given to us as a promise in the Bible. The day will come when all Israel will be saved. And to pray for this nation, for this country, for this city, for this church like this. Praying with expectancy. Sometimes we just pray and we don't even listen to our own prayers. And we expect God to listen to it. We, uh, in a few minutes, we forget what we've been praying for, right? But praying with expectancy, Lord, bring back our captives as rivers in the south. I, we would like to see that. That is the greatest expectation we have. And number two, our responsibility is not only praying, but also planting. Planting the seed. How? Well, planting the seed by maintaining a good testimony. Uh, we were looking at the testimony a few minutes ago, but it is important to maintain a good testimony. Um, again, your testimony is not what you say with your words. Your testimony is uh, the way you live your life. And sharing the gospel must be coupled with the good testimony. Our testimony will give credibility to our words. If you don't have, if you ruin your testimony, nobody's interested in your words anymore. They don't want to hear about your, your church and your religion or anything if you ruin your testimony. So we should guard our testimony. 
we should maintain a good testimony before the believers. They are going to watch us all the time. And they, they should see Jesus and the beauty of Christ in our lives. Planting the seed by maintaining a good testimony. But planting the seed with the will willingness of sacrifice. Here the psalm speaks about sowing and reaping. Now, sowing is done with sacrifice. You know, the seed that is uh, planted in the ground can be sold with money or can be used as, uh, you know, as, as bread. But putting in the ground, you cannot sell it. You cannot eat it. You'll put there and it's going to rot there in the ground. It will just disintegrate in the ground. A sacrifice. You do this with tears. And sometimes sacrifice is painful. If the sacrifice doesn't cost anything, it's not worth anything. You remember David? David wanted to bring sacrifice to the Lord, and he wanted to buy the, 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 the field where he wanted to put the altar. And uh, the owner of the field said, no, I'm going to give it to you for free. He said, no. He said, shall I bring the Lord a sacrifice that doesn't cost me anything? No. I want to pay for it. Yes, willingness to sacrifice. Again, this is the mind of Christ. Remember what uh, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. Let the mind of Christ be in you. And uh, he didn't consider it uh, robbery, you know, to be equal with God. But he emptied himself and uh, he was obedient unto, unto death and uh, even death on the cross. Willingness to sacrifice. Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself. When he was in the garden and his disciples were there with him, he, he told them, I'm, I'm sorrowful. A sadness came upon me. This is a deadly sadness. And what shall I say now? Lord, deliver me from this hour. But exactly for this hour I have come. He was willing to sacrifice. And again... We need to follow him. Jesus said that if the grain that falls in the ground will not die, it will remain by itself. But if it dies there, then it will produce fruit. And here we see that, that those who are willing to pray and to plant the seed with tears, one day the promise says they will come bringing their sheaves. Because the seed that uh, we sacrifice will produce fruit, will multiply. In the parable of the sower, Jesus said it multiplies. It will bring fruit 30, 60, or 100 times more. And what you sacrifice now for the Lord will bring forth fruit. And it may come later in life. You may not be able to see it, but it will surely come. And the Lord is going to be glorified through that. So... I would like to invite you now to come before the Lord. This is the time when we should come to the throne of grace and to thank him for all the benefits of being a Christian, being a believer, but also to ask him to help us to be serious about our responsibilities. Let us now all bow and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for saving us. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for Jesus. In him we have redemption. In his, through his blood we have the forgiveness of our sins. 
Thank you for the joy that is there in our lives, the blessedness that even in the midst of trouble, we know that we belong to you. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you for the testimony that you have given us. And we pray now that we should be faithful servants to you, that we should be praying for the lost and uh, never get tired or weary, but keep on praying. We pray for this country. We pray for this city, Debrecen. We pray for this church. We pray for our loved ones. We pray that you may bring these people to repentance. And may we see a mighty awakening when people will come by thousands to you and will accept Jesus as their savior. We pray for Israel and for the people that live in the Gaza area. And we pray, pray for all those that are needing you. Lord, we pray that Jesus may be glorified and lifted up in our days. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today. If your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do, please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com. Better yet, we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand. We look forward to welcoming you 